All right, thank you, the meals. I appreciate that so very much. And take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter uh, 16 and verses 13 through 18 for our text. Now, we will be um, giving you some other scriptures. Matter of fact, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 here in just a moment as well as part of our text. But you, we put those uh, pastors. Uh, notes or sermon notes in your bulletin each Sunday. Give you a blank paper so you can write down things. Uh, sometimes you can write down passages that were put down there that I'd, I'd go over. I don't give people time to look them up once I get started. So it's good to have it written down to know that it is from the Word of God. All right, in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, we read this. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I am, that I the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, let me just add in there before we get into the message tonight. When Peter said that, if he had said that in the temple in front of the priest, the high priest, they would have killed him for it in that day. And so to call Jesus the Son of the living God was to say that he was equal with God or God come in the flesh, which he is. And so that's the impact of that statement. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, is he talking about Peter? No, the word Peter means pebble. What is the rock? The rock is Jesus Christ. And the rock of Christ that he's building upon is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he says, I will, I will, that's Jesus' will, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Keep it in mind, gates are for defense, not offense. Okay, so he expects the church the Lord's army, to be on the offense, that is, carrying the sword of the Word of God to a lost and dying world, rightly dividing that Word and giving the gospel to a lost world, and robbing the gates of hell from souls that were born headed to hell as all of us are. And so, what a victory that becomes when every time one receives Christ as Savior. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, we read this. And he, that is God, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, to mature them, for the work of the ministry. What ministry? The local church. For the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect person, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, in those verses there, I, I, I looked at... Uh, Again, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, and chapter 5, verses 24 through 27, I was looking at as well. But uh, he gave the church gifts. Now, I can't think of my, I, pastors is one of them, but I can't think of myself as a gift. A lot of people don't either. But, uh, but actually, the duty that we have, that's the gift to the local church. The duty each had was the work. That was the gift. That was with a purpose, with a goal, to bring us into the unity, not just unity for unity's sake, but the unity of the faith. A doctrinal statement says, I believe Jesus is coming again. Faith says, I believe Jesus is coming. Therefore, any of those who 
has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure, 1 John chapter 3. So if you really believe in the coming of the Lord, it's just a doctrinal statement if you're not seeking to purify yourself. It becomes a faith statement when we act upon what it says to do. Then it is faith. And so that's the way we look at it from that vantage point. And so we'll stop right there and have a word of prayer, then get into the message for this evening. Lord, I pray as we delve into your word tonight, and we look at this, who we are, and whatever we are is what we are in Christ Jesus. And Lord, you've designed the local church, you've founded the local church, help us to live within the confines of the local church in the manner in which you would have us to live because that should be our daily life as well. So Lord, I pray that this time of in your word will not only edify, but direct us in our day-to-day -day life and our understanding of what we are and who we are in Jesus Christ's name, amen. One will notice if you're in the book of Revelation, there are seven churches that are addressed in chapters two and three. Brother Gary in our Sunday school class was on that this morning. But uh, when you look at that, there are seven different churches. Now, you read through the epistles of the New Testament, and one sees that local churches are addressed. The church at Ephesus, the church at Galatia, the church at Thessalonica, and on we could go. Uh, there was the church at Rome. There was different churches. Now, it's interesting to me, the first church I pastored was uh, up in Cantonment, Florida. I went there, and the name of it was North Florida Baptist Tabernacle. They had 19 members, and probably only three of them could spell North Florida Baptist Tabernacle. So I, I would see those things written out, and i said, say, wow, we're in trouble here. So uh, I talked to them, let's, name, let's change the name of the church. I said, it's just hard for people to understand that and so forth. And uh, so they said, okay, come up with a name, Pastor. I went down to Brother Roy Julian, who was at that time the pastor of Smyrna Baptist Church. There in Pensacola, we were good friends. And I said, man, what do I do? I said, people can't fill out a check without on there because it says there's not enough room on the check to put North Florida Baptist Tabernacle, let alone spell it. And so he says, well, why don't you do it like the Bible? The Bible says the church at Ephesus, the church at whatever. It says, why don't you just call it Cantonment? Cantonment Baptist Church. So that's what became the name of that church was Cantonment Baptist Church because that was the name of the, the way they did things in the Bible. Baptists identified us by our doctrine. And so I'm saying all that to say that when you're looking at the local church or when you look at the word church, should I say in the Bible, the local church is being addressed, I would say at least, at the very least, 99% of the time uh, it's been addressed, and that is not an overestimate. Uh, some would say that is an underestimate. Now, God used Israel in the Old Testament. He said that they would be a nation of kings and priests. Well, uh, of priests, what do priests do? Well, priests talk to God for people, and they talk to people for God. Now the church, we find out when you get in First and Second Peter that we are a holy nation, a nation of priests, the local church. And what are we to do? We're to take that gospel to the world. You know, Israel's job was to take the word of God, the way of salvation to the rest of the world. That's why they were called a nation of priests. And the local church has that same call on it today. In that day of the law, it was... Israel. In this day, it is the believers of the local church. And by the way, after the rapture, the, we're called up to be with the Lord in heaven. There'll be 144,000 Jews that'll get saved. And it goes back to Israel being the witness to the world. And that's just the way the Bible lays it out. After the rapture, it'll be them. The gospel around the world goes right back into their hands in the tribulation hour. They're the ones that got saved. And anybody that gets saved after the tribulation is a part of that, whether they're Jews or not. By the way, there are Jews that get saved today. What are they to be? They're to be a witness 
just like we are to be a witness. So anybody that gets saved today, they are to be a witness. Now, who are we then? We are an independent, fundamental Baptist church under the authority of God Almighty since it is His local church that Jesus Christ is building. See, we serve in it. We're not the ones that have laid out the plan. We're not the ones that have designed it. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the high honor of being able to serve in the eternal administration of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, I will build my church. And so we do that by God's word, his leadership with a pastor. Look, a pastor is being held into an account uh, before God concerning the local church. And so we have a responsibility before God. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 and verse 17, we read this. Remember them which have the rule over you. Who are they? Who has spoken unto you the word of God? Now, I'm not the Lord. I'm not God. But he's placed me in a position to have that position in the local church. It's just like you may own a business. You assign a manager. You've got employees under that a manager. You say, that manager, okay, what he says goes. That manager says, this guy's giving me trouble. And the owner says, fire him, <laughs> okay. And, and so that's what happens. And, 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 but in the Lord's house, God has put a pastor in that position of being over the house there that they work in. But everything is to be done according to the word of God. Not the pastor's whims, not the pastor's uh, idea. That, well, I think this is a great idea. Man, let's try this. Let's go contemporary. That'll help our church grow. No, that's not the way it works. It's got to be according to the word of God. And he says, whose faith follow? What faith is that? The teaching of the word of God and living by it, operating the church by the word of God. Considering the end of their conversation. What is the end of their conversation? Well, James 3.1 says they have a greater condemnation if they're going to be those that preach and teach the Word. That's serious. I take that seriously. And so there's a greater condemnation. So we find that he says there, uh, when we look at that, uh, considering their conversation, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give account they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Now, look, that scares me. I, I, I don't know about y'all, those that have pastored here, that kind of scares me to know that I get up here and preach the Word. I've got to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because if I'm not, how, I'm still going to give an account. Now, this one went this direction. Did you direct that? Did you preach on that? Did you hit those things? It's greater condemnation. Doesn't mean I'm going to hell. I'm saved. But it doesn't mean loss of reward because I would not preach it. The Bible is foremost the constitution of the local church. Now let me just share with you 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through chapter 4, verse 4. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it's God breathed. You've got to be talking like I'm talking now. I'm breathing out. If I said breathing out while I was breathing in, it would go like this. You've got to talk, you've got to breathe out. That's why it uses the word inspiration. It's God breathed. God breathed every word to each one that wrote it. For an example, I just read from, Second, uh, from Timothy there, 2 Timothy, and that is not Paul's words. That is Paul giving God's words. They're the word of God. Paul was a fallible man just like any preacher is. Now, I couldn't shine his sandals. <laughs> I'm glad they shined sandals instead of shoes back then. But, uh, but nonetheless... As, as 
great a Christian as that man was, this is not his word, it's God's word. It's given by inspiration of God. But it doesn't stop there. It is profitable for doctrine, the teaching of the word of God, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What is righteousness? Well, let the Bible define it for us. Deuteronomy 6, 25. If you obey this law, it shall be to your righteousness. Obeying the word of God is righteousness. Living by it is righteousness. So that's what we uh, let the Bible define it. And so uh, when you put it here, it's for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So we've got to obey the word of God. That the man of God may be perfect, that is mature, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Then he goes in verse 1 of the next chapter. I charge thee therefore, this is the pastor, Timothy. He's given the pastor a charge. I charge thee therefore, and this is very serious because it's God breathing out these words to Paul to write down to Timothy. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, in other words, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Wow. I'm going to be called into an account. Preach the word. And he goes on, next word, uh, uh, the next verse. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. How are you supposed to preach? Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. That's what the Bible says. That's how a preacher's supposed to preach. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, tell God that he's wrong and you're right. It'd be kind of a stupid thing to do, but, uh, you know, it's a stupid thing to say it anyhow, so you might as well be stupid all the way. Um, so, again, when you look at that, that's what it's for. He says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't want to hear preaching on sin. They won't, won't want to hear preaching on what you're supposed to do, how you live separate from this world, and things of that nature. But after their own lust, that is their own desires, shall they heap to themselves. Well, you ever think about that word heap? <laughs> they get all of them they can. Heap to themselves. And what are they going to heap to themselves? Teachers having itching ears. In other words, to tickle the ears. And they shall turn away their, ear, their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, philosophies, psychology. And on down the line, when we have all the instruction we have and all that we need in the Word of God. So, he says, uh, they'll be turned that way. So, we've got to be on the guard against that. This is the command, and it's a warning for the pastor there in that scripture. Now, an illustration then of us is that uh, we are to be fundamental and true to the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God is our Constitution. Now, we have a Constitution here at the church, and, and we went put together using the Word of God throughout. As a matter of fact, I remember sitting down with a lawyer one night, and for several nights, and we'd just go over and over and over. Well, this is what the Scripture says. And that Constitution was put out that way, but that Constitution that we have as scriptural as it is, does not usurp the Word of God. Okay, the Word of God is the final authority. So, well, why in the world do you have a constitution? We incorporated you, so if anybody sues us, they don't take your houses and all your wealth. Okay, and so you got to have as an incorporation, you got to have a constitution, and you got to have officers and things of that nature, which we do have. But I'm just saying is that the, our Constitution, our actual Constitution, is the Word of God. Now, the Supreme Court of the United States, with it, I would say that probably the justice on the Supreme Court that is the most strict constitutionalist is probably the Justice uh, Clarence Thomas. I believe that he's the, probably the closest picture 
of a strict constitutionalist that we have. He does not see himself as being a part of a body of legislative power. That's not the, not the constitutional part of a Supreme Court judge. He's supposed to make decisions based on what the Constitution says. And so that's it. He is a strict uh, constitutionalist. Kind of like being in the place as, as a pastor to adhere to all the decisions to be made. It must be made by that document, that constitution that was founded on God's word, the Judeo-Christian ethic. So Justice Thomas and really all the judges are not supposed to go by what is the latest thing going on in the culture. It's not to be overridden by political persuasion. The purpose of the court is to make all decisions based on that written constitution. Now, I'm not getting into a political debate tonight. I'm just telling you what that's about. But it's a good picture of what we are to be about. The Word of God is the final decision maker on everything we have. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God in any way, then it does not need to be a part of us. The authority is the Word of God in all matters of the local church. And so... That is why I, as a pastor, must lead according to the Word of God, regardless of disagreements. It's got to be the Word of God. Back in A.D. 253, Stephen, Bishop of Rome, that's not the Stephen of the Bible, uh, and all the bishops, uh, the elders, and by the way, bishop, elder, pastor, receive, uh, really, concerning the local church, referred to the same office. It was a pastor. Bishop, elder, uh, pastor, things just referred to various duties, was emphasizing those duties of a pastor. There are churches today that have a board of elders. I so want to go and say, so what does this board of pastors, who's in charge? Who's, who's the one leading the church? I mean, I've never seen a board of elders leading. And the Bible told us to appoint deacons. And so, uh, you don't have a board of pastors. You have a board of deacons that serve under a pastor. Now, that's the scripture. I know some people have come up with some very, very well laid out things that are very deceptive. I mean, they could deceive a lot of people. And I can understand why people get involved in, in the false doctrines of Calvinism and, and the other things. It's because of things like that. They're so well laid out, but they're still wrong according to the Word of God. You see, that's the bottom line. They're still wrong according to the Word of God. But uh, Stephen, Bishop of Rome, pretty well excommunicated all these pastors, these bishops and so forth of Asia Minor for their great thing of rebaptizing people who had been baptized by the Catholic Church at birth. Other words, baptism, they said by God's word, means that you are baptized after your salvation, not before. And so that's what it was about. And so we, being strict constitutionalists to the Word of God, did not matter to us if we got kicked out. The Word of God said, by Jesus, His command, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach, or teach the gospel, Matthew 28, teach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's the goal of the local church. Go out and teach the gospel that they might receive it and be saved. If they do, then baptize them. And then once they're baptized, you begin teaching them the word of God. And, and that's, that's the goal of the local church, to build them up in the faith of Christ. And so again, the final authority comes down that it is the word of God. The Lord is the final authority in all things. Now you say, well, you say the Lord, the word of God, which is it? 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the living Word. The Bible is the written Word. That's why it's preserved without error in our King James Bible, and that's why we use it. You see, there, there's a purpose. There's no contradiction between Jesus Christ and the written Word of God that is preserved for us today. So praise the Lord for that, and we can trust it. So again, that's kind of the start to it. And Stephen of Rome labeled us Anabaptists. That simply meant rebaptizers. Okay. Their churches were independent from any other being over their churches there in Asia Minor. Rather, it was laid out in Scripture, it was pastor led, and deacons would serve kind of having oversight of areas as directed by the pastor of the local church. Now, there are no New Testament churches that had the name Baptist. In other words, uh, was talking about the seven churches in our Sunday school class today, the Smyrna Baptist Church, Pergamos Baptist Church. Now, it wouldn't have been wrong because they would have had to have that as a, as a part of their doctrine, if the Bible is going to recognize them as a church, they had to be Baptists. In other words, they had to baptize by immersion. That's all that Baptist identifies us with Jesus Christ. Why? Because baptism, buried with him in baptism, Romans chapter 6, risen to walk in newness of life. Baptism pictures what Christ did for us. And so that's what it's all, all about. Now again, our name Baptist identifies a doctrine. And so, as a result, it's important to Christ because many were killed in that day by the Catholic Church. Do you know even in Luther's time, they killed many? The Lutherans did. Finally, Melanchthon, who was uh, kind of next to Luther, said, hey, we're doing the same thing, killing Baptists that, that Rome was doing to us, killing our people. We don't need to commit the same sin. And it pretty well turned the tide from them trying to kill Baptists from that point forward. But again, Baptist is a doctrinal identification of the Word of God. Godly people, men and women, were martyred for that doctrine. Sometimes people get saved and say, well, I don't want to get baptized. You think that's not important to Christ? That's very important. People actually died for that. I was reading uh, Sergei Kordakov. He was a Russian KGB agent that was sent out, and they'd find these churches, the underground churches. They would be they'd find them at a baptism somewhere, river somewhere, and they'd hold the pastor under until he drowned. Several of the people as well. But he got saved. He saw the peace these people had regardless. And Sir Jai got saved, and then later he got killed. But you know what? Uh, baptism is an important doctrine. If you've not been baptized since your salvation, you say, I got baptized as a baby. No, you didn't. You got sprinkled as a baby. You know, Catholic Church used to baptize by immersion when a baby is born. The reason they started sprinkling about 1200 A.D. is because too many of them were being drowned. Now, that's the truth. The Church of England started baptizing uh, probably right around 1600 by a vote of Parliament, by a one-vote margin. They voted to start with sprinkling instead of immersion. Up to that point, they immersed. So I, I find that very interesting from back at that time. But... Uh, Again, it goes back to the fact that we are Baptists because it is a doctrine of the Word of God. Uh, we don't hold uh, to it because, well, you know, um, it's what we're supposed to do. And uh, my grandma was that. No, we do it because it's the Word of God. It's what the Bible teaches. It's what we should do. Now, so we have this identification that many were killed for. 
and put to death for. Yes. Some churches today have dropped the name Baptist. And they'll say, well, we're still the same doctrine, but you know, Baptist creates a negative term in many people's minds, so we don't want that. Well, their rock and roll and their lack of standards creates a negative thing in my mind because I want to walk with God. You know, so maybe they need to quit their contemporary, their rock and roll and their loss of standards and, and go back to the other way because I'm, I'm offended. <laughs> That's not going to happen, folks, unless they have revival, not because of me, but because they turn over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'll say, well, we're not a denomination because we don't have a headquarters. So they drop the name Baptist, but they, and they say they hold the same doctrine, but they go all these other ways. Some of the Baptists that used to be Baptists say they still have the same doctrine, but they are Calvinists. You know, they say, well, Calvinists believe in eternal security just like you do. No, they don't. They believe in the perseverance of the saints. Okay. It, and, well, that's what they mean by eternal security. No, that's not eternal security. If you persevere, that means you keep your salvation. My salvation is in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't persevere to keep it, or I am on my fast track to hell. And so is everyone. If Christ doesn't keep us, as he said he does in the book of Jude, then something is, is uh, for sure that we're going to go to hell. But Christ does keep us once we've received him. Our salvation was in his hands. Now, so they go these different directions. We don't uh, drop the name here because we are honored to be of that doctrinal identification. Godly men and women, again, were martyred for that great name. So we need to understand that that's what we are. A denomination is one that has either headquarters or a people of rank within their denomination who can come to a church and threaten to do certain things. You know what? Well, you got to do our missionaries. You got to do our uh, cooperative board. You've got to do this thing. You've got to do that. If you don't do that, then we're going to find you. We're going to do this to you. We're going to do that to you. Now, look, I'm, a, I'm on the board of the sword of the Lord. I'm on the board of BIMI. But they're not going to tell us how to run our church. The Bible is. Okay. Uh, there's some fundamental colleges and men of God that I just love. But they're not going to give us the Sunday school lessons that we must teach here. They're, I mean, they may have some great lessons, but we're not going to be under their authority for that because that does, goes against the Word of God. Uh, you see, a, a, a denomination... Has, has a, a board of authority, usually it's located somewhere. Uh, there are people that have gone contemporary that are part, for example, of the Southern Baptist Convention. There's the United Methodist Church. They have a headquarters. There's the Missouri Synod for the, the Lutherans. And on you could go, the different ones, uh, Rome for Catholicism. There is those things. We're not a denomination. Because if we were, we would not be true to the fundamentals of the Word. Now, what is so interesting, and the reason I'm preaching this, is that back in the 60s, uh, I, I remember going to Tennessee Temple College back in the 60s, and, and the colleges, churches, and so forth, from 60s on, they said, we're not a denomination. We are non-denominational. We had the name Baptist, but we're non-denominational. Why? Because... Every church was autonomous. Nobody's going to come in and say, okay, we've got to change things. You've got to do this. If you don't line up, you're in trouble. That never happened. Never happened. So that's what the Bible colleges in the 60s and 70s taught. Uh, churches knew that. They understood that back in that day. But I guess the failure of many of us as pastors have kept, has failed to keep us abreast of the fact that we are still non-denominational. Okay, and that's what we are. Uh, if, if we're not, uh, if we are denominational, then we are not an independent, fundamental Baptist church. 
Our only attachment is to the Word of God. Now, I remember here just a few years ago, now, many of you remember that, we had a Sunday school series that was uh, called Axioms of Separation. We taught that in all of our adult classes. Great series, it really was. It was written by John Ashbrook. Um, John Ashbrook is part of the Ohio Fellowship of Churches. They don't have Baptists on, after their name. So we had lessons from a guy that was of the Ohio Fellowship. We didn't have a Baptist guy. No. If you read the doctrinal statement of the Ohio Fellowship, you'll see baptism by immersion. You'll see King James Bible. You'll see premillennial return. You'll see that the Lord's Supper is symbolical. You'll see everything that we believe here. Okay. Uh, I put in your bulletin each week uh, <clears throat> the uh, family time with God. There's six daily devotionals there from Fundamental Evangelistic Association. They don't have the name Baptist in their name, but they are Baptist in doctrine. Because if you read those every time, you realize this is just what we believe. Why? Because it's biblical. It's scriptural. Now, I don't like when churches drop the name Baptist, yet there's some other churches I wish they would drop the name Baptist. Okay. People say, what do you think about them changing their name from this Baptist or that Baptist? I say, praise God. You know, they're not a true Baptist church because they're no longer fundamental and true to the Word of God. So praise the Lord that they did. It gets them off our back. Uh, but that's the way it goes. So, beware. Beware of those kind. Beware of it. Now, again, uh, John Ashbrook w was used to preach at, at uh, sometimes at Highland Park. Highland Park Baptists there in, in Chattanooga would accept members from those Ohio Bible Fellowship churches because they were the exact same doctrine and everything else. They'd been baptized by immersion. Everything else was there. The Bible is the final point in authority. Okay, so they accepted them in that way. Um, now, you, you go back to this, you say, then what are we? How would we identify ourselves? Well, I would say that we are biblicists. We are the church as outlined by the Lord Jesus Christ in the Word of God. So we are biblicists. And you say, well, is that important? Well, you go back to our text. You're looking, really, you look in different portions of the Bible. Ephesians, he calls us the bride to make it holy, without spot or wrinkle. That's why he wants to present it to himself. So if we follow his word and do what he says, the more holy this is, we're going to be as a local church. You see, that's, it goes back to doing God's will, God's way, in God's timing. The Bible is our constitution. Beware of false accusers, scorners especially, people who don't get in their way and all of a sudden they're down on everything. Isn't it interesting? Sowing discord. The Bible calls homosexuality, it uses a word in Hebrew for abom abomination. That's just so stomach turning and makes God want to puke, if I can use that language. The same Hebrew word is used for those that sow discord scorn, so forth. That's how serious that sin is in God's sight. Wow. Watch out for those who would seek to cause division of God's local church. I'm saying that not because I'm looking at somebody right now. I'm saying that because it's His local church. We stand on the Word of God. And so we're saying, 
Yes, Satan will put those out there. Let's stand on God's word. I found one of the best things to do. I learned this. I wish I'd done this years ago. As a matter of fact, uh, I, uh, I know you're, uh, sometimes we give credit to people, but Brother Randy Osborne, I learned this from him really more than anything. He'd say, walk it back all the way. Somebody says, you know what they're doing? Or where would you hear that? Well, they didn't want to say, oh, no, no, we don't accept that. Then you're just gossiping and sowing discord. Don't even say it if you can't go back and tell. If you can't go back and tell, don't even say it. Well, so-and-so, go back, then go straight to so-and-so. They told me that this. No, is that what you said? And just keep walking it back. Get to the culprit. Get it stopped. It's the right way to do it. And I think there are so many things that would have been uh, saved in my ministry had I uh, just grasped that much earlier. Now, there are people try to sneak things in, try to work around. I, I don't care what the pastor said. We're going to do this. Well, watch out for that person. They're sowing discord and they're going to cause a problem. Okay. The Baptist church in the days when they were under such persecution was a church built by Christ, taking heed to the Word of God, so they stood together. They stood together. They stayed together. So it's important. We must be together. Uh, when many begin uh, living in such ways as the world, because we're in the days of apostasy, in the churches, worldliness so abounds that itching ears thing seems to come about. And look, I don't need to hold hands with Moonies, Catholics, and whatever else because they're against abortion. I, I can be against abortion and march against it without holding hands with them, being identified with them. Okay, we, can, we take our stance against those things, whether it's abortion, whether it's drugs or anything else. Stand on God's Word and take your stand and speak your Word uh, to those out there by the Word of God. We are to spread the gospel. We are to call people to repentance. Uh, in this day, lawlessness, grace of God being turned into lasciviousness, rebelling against those terms of modesty, making things immodest, separating from this world. Look, the only hope that's out there right now is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are a non-denominational church. We're identified as Baptists. I, I think I told you in leading up to this sermon, uh, I remember the first church I ever pastored. Just all saying, what denomination? I put non-denominational. Oh, what church did you go to? I said, well, I'm pastor at uh, Cantonment Baptist Church. Huh? Oh, you're Baptist? No, I said, we're not a denomination. We're independent. <clears throat> That, after that time, I, I just went in and wrote down Baptist because I didn't want, like to spend 30 minutes talking to somebody about, what do you mean you're not a denomination? And so, so I just said, okay, Baptist, because these guys can't understand that. So uh, I said Central Baptist Church, or Cantonment Baptist Church back then, I just signed Cantonment Baptist Church. Instead of circling Baptist, I just write it down. Cantonment Baptist Church. They put me as a Baptist. But we're non-denominational because our church has a headquarters. It's heaven and it's the word of God that is our constitution. Amen. See, that's what I'm coming back to. Now, let me just close with this. And this, I, I typed this out, so I'm, I'm kind of read this to you. A Barna, a Barna poll this past week showed that people are not watching their live stream church services and the ones that have reopened are having less people each week. The novelty and the entertainment part of the internet, the things that went on, you know, a lot of people, all the schools went to Zoom when this thing happened, and so the novelty of a Zoom was a big thing, but after I said, it's crazy, you know. And so all of a sudden that got less and less and then people got less and less. And it got to the point where they were used to not fellowshipping with people. They just like being home doing their own thing and going where they want to go. 
And so, uh, it says, it has dropped off. Even churches that are open have no restrictions. Their attendance from when the first day they opened to now has dropped off. The, the live streams and so forth, they do, they've dropped off. It's gone. The, the entertainment is not there any longer. Sound doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, in addition to those things, are, they don't want to hear that any longer. A preacher is to preach the word, is to be long-suffering in doctrine, not tickling the ears, but rather uh, doing God's will, God's way. And when others fall from that, we don't quit. We just keep going until Christ comes. Others have fallen. I remember Dr. Salmarone, who went to be with the Lord a few weeks ago. He was, he was saved on the mission field. And then, he's uh, an independent Baptist, got him saved, he told me that. But then he said, got in Southern Baptist. They sent him up to New Orleans, gave him an education. I read his doctoral dissertation paper. I said, man, I wish I'd written that one. It was really good. But he got in there and started to really progress in the convention. Then one day he got called to Nashville with a bunch of preachers and said, uh, we want you to meet this man. His name was Rick Warren. And he said, your churches need to be either 60% Bible and 40% entertainment, or 60% entertainment and 40% Bible. And that set wrong with Dr. Selmarone. And his name is actually on the document because he's called there. He said, they all signed it but him. He says, you'll see my name typed on there, but you will not find my signature anywhere. They typed the name, not me. But I was there. And he said, I protested right there. I just let him know. That's wrong. The Bible, the Word of God is first and foremost. You know, after he came here, he became, he started here with us. He wanted to be independent fundamental Baptist. And he was. But the, you know what the other problem is? He had opportunities. He could have left here and made triple what he was making. Brilliant man. But instead, he stayed because it wasn't about money. It was about the relationship with God and being biblical. Amen. Now, you say, well, did you sit in a Spanish church? You kidding? I can't even understand pig Latin, let alone Spanish. So, okay, so, no. No, I had just depend on people, but he and I had many talks. And I knew his heart in this thing. Matter of fact, we were planning to have this fall a Spanish church and English service here to have them to come in and do like we did a time or two before. And so... Um, and that didn't happen, but I tell you what, what a blessing he was. But it cost him something to take a stand. But I tell you what, eternity, the rejoicing he's doing right now, <laughs> the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. <laughs> Whatever rejections he got seems minute. Whatever he suffered is minute in comparison in its greatness to the greatness of the glory. Those people that were martyred for getting baptized, their martyrdom, their persecution is minute in its greatness compared to the greatness of the glory in heaven. Those people that were fed to the lions, those that were sawn in half, I can imagine sawing a living man in half. But that is minute in comparison to the greatness of glory revealed in them. How important is it to me that by the Word of God I'm biblical? Now look, not all Baptists that you see out there that aren't us aren't uh, aren't uh, denominations. There are Baptists that have formed. I, I don't know how they are now. I've actually never been a part. I've been to some of their meetings. Bible Baptist Fellowship, they had their meetings all this time and had some good meetings. They had some good things. They had some good recommendations, but not one 
thing of their organization ever ran a local church or they had to give to us or you're out, you had to do this or you're out. And that's about as far as I know about them because I wasn't a part of them. But when all of a sudden the hierarchy is more important than the Word of God and doing God's will God's way, that's a problem. That's a problem. Does it hurt when I see people turn away from uh, the Word of God, especially when one time they were on the right road? Yes. Yes, it does. Not because it hurts me. It hurts because God gifted them, and they had the gifts to, that God could use to do great and mighty things for the way of righteousness. And they gave that up. For whatever, I don't know. But for whatever they gave it up. One day, as the Bible says, they will count the loss. I don't want to count the loss. Whether I'm a pastor, a church member that is sitting in the pew that has to still the responsibility as a nation of priests to take the gospel to others, to be a witness, to encourage others to come up to edify one another. That's what I want to be because that's what the Bible tells us to be. America's in trouble. If our churches don't get back together, you're going to see your churches persecuted. I'm at an age that I may not see that. A lot of us in here at that age that we may not see it. But there are younger ones of you adults in here that you probably will see it. Unless there is a great revival. And it will be great. If it happens. But it's got to be God's way. God's will. In God's timing. And his timing is right now. Ours is to pray for it. Ours is to pray for it and do whatever we can to get us there. Let's bow our heads, please.